Uh, I don't know if you know Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife. And um, pretty much there is this new controversy because um, one day they have kids and the kids were arguing and then she gave the kids like psychedelics and then apparently they stopped arguing and then (laughs) the news is that, oh, I'm, I'm in... I feel so happy, you know, I'm so, oh, I actually love my brother. <laughs> yeah. That's what that, so that was the situation. And it's a controversial because, you know, it's a parent giving psychedelics to their kids anyways. So I'm curious as to your perspective on this story. What do you think? I haven't heard that story, but I don't read. Uh, and I, I, and I actually have family members in the business and I, and I mm-hmm. don't read, I don't read anything. Uh, about that. Um, I don't know about that, but I will say that when it comes to psychedelics, and this is my feeling about psychedelics, um, you know, if, if you want to use it like, um, ayahuasca, if you want to use ayahuasca to, um, to, uh, you know, expand your consciousness, as they say, and you want to use it once and see how it goes, that's, that's really up to you. But personally, breath work, if you go to a really good breath work person or find, a really good breath work. Um, I actually did one today, a really great breath work uh, session. I mean, Mm -hmm. you go to the same place, but the thing about that is you haven't used a drug, you've used your own consciousness. And on top of that, on top of that, it never leaves you. So once you've been able to access it, you'll always be able to access it easier and easier. And, and that's a do proven fact. Demonstrating, do you mind demonstrating one way, one method that maybe? We oh, can breath work. Well, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it for a while. But one way to do breath work. Now, um, Wim Hof. I don't know if you know who he is. He's mm-hmm. famous for breath work. Now he'll do. You know, you go. You know, you're breathing through your stomach, but you're going out fast and you're doing it like 20 times and then you hold your breath for like a minute. Now, the one that I did today, it's you breathe through your stomach and then you bring it up to your chest and then you blow out. So it's a three part stomach, chest, blow out, stomach, chest, blow out. But I'll give you something that you can do right now. And um, I'll ask you to put your hand on your heart. And just, I want you both to close your eyes and just take a couple deep breaths in. Just go take a breath in, hold it for just two two seconds and then let it go. Take another breath in, hold it for two seconds and let it go. And now take one more breath in Hold it for two seconds and let it go. And now open your eyes. How do you feel? I, feels pretty I nice. Feeling, feels pretty nice. More, I see more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it you it, it, brighter. Yeah, it feels it feels so much nicer. Um, the other the other technique that um, if you have a lot going on and um, your brain gets, you just got so much going on in your brain and you want to think clearly. Um, There is a technique that the samurais used to use prior to going into battle that they knew that all their thoughts and emotions would be up in their heads and they, it would make them top heavy. 
And that's what happens when we when we have so much going on. We're top heavy. We can't be centered. And so they knew that they had to move all these emotions down to two inches below their navel, which is their hara point. And then they would be centered and harder to knock off their horse. So if you're game, we'll do that one. And that's only 90 seconds. And everybody in your audience, if, if someone's if somebody's driving, don't do this. <laughs> but <laughs> I just have to say that. Don't do this if you're driving, but you can listen to it and you can try it after. So I'm going to ask you both now, once again, to close your eyes and take a deep breath in and exhale again. And now take another deep breath in and exhale again. And now feel all the emotions and all the thoughts going through your mind and your emotions in your head, bring them all together in the center of your head. And now I want you to bring them down, down, down. We're gonna go two inches below your navel, down, down, down. And all those thoughts and emotions are going down. They're just flowing down to two inches below your navel. Let them just flow. And now from that point, see a bright light and see that bright light go down your legs to the ground, to the center of the earth and feel all those thoughts and emotions just flow down your legs to the ground, to the center of the earth. And now you can open your eyes. Okay, I uh, I feel lighter, and I actually felt something go through my legs. That's creepy. <laughs> it's it's called an, <laughs> I call it an emotional resilience reset. So, like, even if someone's going home and they've had a hectic day, and they're going to go in and see their kids or their wife or a girlfriend or whoever, it's great to sit in the car and do that really quick before you go in. Or if you have a big meeting to do it prior to going into any big meeting, it will help you think clearer. You'll have the emotional intelligence that you need to listen, hear, and speak whatever you need to do. I'm relaxing now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is great. Um, how did you discover this, Janet? You know, I've studied a lot of different techniques. Probably, I've tried at least 30 different techniques and I'm certified in probably 14. And uh, so NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming is one. Um, mm -hmm. And it has a lot of great emotional, what I call emotional resilience tools in it that I give to my entrepreneurs and, you know, CEOs. I give it to actually every client that comes if they need it. I, I, I arm everybody with it. Um, you know, there's theta healing, there's there's EMDR, there's hypnosis. I have so many different uh, tools that I use. And, and so along the way, I've been able to create different things. Wow. Um, what's your thoughts on guided meditation versus just meditating on your own? I like both because I do guided meditations too. I mean, the breath work I did today, that was guided. And it's somewhat of a meditation, mm -hmm. even though you're doing the breath work. Um, so I really, 
I really like both because there's some really great guided meditations out there. I have to say that. But I also, every morning I do my prayers and then I, uh, I do Qigong, seven minute Qigong. <laughs> and, and then I sit down to Tibetan bell music and I just sit and listen to it. And I go in, I go in and do my own meditation for 30 minutes with that. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm wow. kind of open to both. Uh, and just see where it takes you. If it's easier for you to get into meditation by doing a guided one first, then, then do that. They even have meditations now where if, if you're not used to having your eyes closed that you get to watch. So just find a way oh, wow. to just find a way to release because it's really, really important for yourself, uh, growth for your level of subconscious and conscious mind and expansion to to meditate it really is to give your brain a break it's, uh, it sounds like you really explored the eastern styles of uh, you know meditation and like self-help how what made you drift away from the western side well the western still does near linguistic programming i think they still do that um and emdr is something that therapists use too it's, uh, for me, it was just natural. And, you know, most of even the Eastern is, um, it's proven scientifically that it works and spiritually. So I kind of walk that path between um, a little bit of science and a little bit of spirituality. I think, I think they're combining. And I think, I think society is becoming more and more open to that combination. And, um, and I think there's validity in everything. Although I will add, I go to a holistic um, Eastern medicine doctor. That, that's who I, I see for myself. Wow. Even though you live in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though, I, even though I live in the U.S., yes. And I actually have, I actually have doctors in my family. But yes, I, I still do that. I, I believe that I want to... I'll go the all natural way if I possibly can. And how do the family reunions go? Like the conversation? Actually, that's interesting. That's interesting that you say that because especially since you talked to me about going more Eastern, um, the more I made the movement to kind of go that way where I see all religions have the validity and all everything has its space and yeah. I leave everything open to everything. And um, I'm very open to what people believe. Um, that is what did it for me because I come from eight generations of ministers and that didn't sit well with my family. And so I don't <laughs> go to, I'm not, I'm no longer, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't, I don't think I've talked to any of my family members. I think my brother texted me the other day just because he found out one of my children had a baby, but um, pretty much my mother has not talked to me in three and a half, four years because she told me I was too optimistic and it was really based on my belief that I believe um, all religions are valid and um, and that's what happens sometimes when we do elevate in consciousness, when we make a paradigm shift, when we decide that, you know, it's kind of like if you think of 
consciousness as the sky and you're an eagle and we have a choice. If we're the eagle, we can stay in our territory or we can go and explore as far as the sky or consciousness will take us. And I've decided to go as far as consciousness will take me. And my family has decided to stay in in their area. And that's fine. This is their journey too. And we're all on our own journeys. And so I just know it's their programming. It's my mom's programming. This is how she grew up. And mm-hmm. it's how my siblings and and so it's it doesn't hurt me. It's I I haven't total understanding of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And but so I have loving I, I actually about- sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And you also spoke, since you spoke about reprogramming, do you think that maybe even uh, past, you know, a certain age, like in the the case for your family members, do you think they can be reprogrammed to maybe think more like you and be more optimistic? They could if they were open to it. And that's the thing. It's, 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 um, it's, you know, being, deciding to actually examine Um, you know, for me, my journey was I had to examine, okay, do I believe in this religious faith? Because it, do I believe in it because it's been passed down to me? Or do I believe in it because I believe in it? Mm-hmm. And so I had to really go through that journey. And it took me through several years because it was dissecting different parts of what I had believed because it was so steeped in me. I mean... I was a minister's kid, so it was really, really steeped in me. So I really had to decide um, what was real to me and what wasn't. And it's not that I don't find validity in that faith. It's just that I find validity in all faiths. I find validity in uh, how can I say that one person's belief is going to be different, is, is more important than somebody else's. I can't. I can't say that. And I can't say that who's going to be you know, if, if we're talking about heaven as, as they would, mm-hmm. who's going to be in heaven and who's not going to be in heaven. Um, I mm-hmm. believe I, for me, I believe that God's a loving God and like no one will be left behind, you know? So this is just me. And so that, that was hard. So when you talk about age of programming, you really, you have to be open to it. And if their conviction is so strong, if, If someone's conviction is that strong, then it's pretty difficult. But I do know of a 96-year-old woman who I think when she was 90, she she started listening to Sadhguru. Mm -hmm. And she was was pretty religious. Uh, uh, She was was Orthodox Christian. And uh, and she listened to Sadhguru and she loved him. And she said he has a lot to say that if people would listen, would change the world. And so it had changed her programming. Now, it doesn't mean that she's she doesn't believe in her Orthodox faith, but it means that it opened the door for her to see more expansiveness, to see more was out there. And she was 90 when she was listening to it, and she just passed away in March, and she was going to be 97 in June. So, I mean, pretty impressive. Wow. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, Yeah. she was a hot ticket. She was a hot ticket. She was my kid's grandmother. Uh, She was a yaya. She was Greek. (laughs) 
Um, she was Greek and she was, she was wonderful, truly a wonderful person. Um, Janet, I want to ask you about like mental health in general. We live in a world, everyone's anxious, everyone's depressed. Not everyone. <laughs> Many people are. All my friends have ADHD for some reason. <laughs> okay. I'm right here. I got my, I got my DSM right here. Look at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you think about it? About everybody being ADHD? Yeah, everyone being ADHD, and then some of my friends are also have autism <laughs> and stuff, and um, depressed and anxiety. I'm not. You're laughing, but it's a serious topic. I I'm think nothing about the depression. I'm just laughing at the ADHD part because it's true, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Don't say it's not true. No, All no my it friends. Is. You're referring. Yeah, I'm one of and them. And then they're on the pills. They're on the pills. I often, I often wonder if ADHD is a product a little bit of our society of how we move our kids so fast i'm not sure because there's an increase of it um because mm -hmm. both of you are younger than i am and i think that i can only speak for my children and as my children you know got older uh or when they went through i mean i played out in the prairies in the street my kids had org organized programming for them and that's how it was. <laughs> I mean, that's what I call yeah. it. Organize. I mean, at five years mm -hmm. old, you're going to organize soccer. I mean, it and and it's it ended up being a rat race. And and mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't do it, then your kids are left behind. If you do do it, then your kids. It's it's like a a whole catch twenty two, and um, and so it ends up being. I, I think that some of society can do that. I also think we're hyper vigilant and uh, or overzealous. My opinion is in um, diagnosing things, and mm -hmm. we always want to put a name on something if somebody has a little something, or we want to say it's something. But as far as depression and all of that goes, I think that is very real, and I think that that is also a product of society. I think it's a product of some of the programming and, you know, the young children who are committing suicide because they don't fit in or even the young TikTokers that I've, I've just heard, I haven't read a lot about, but it seems that the pressure to, of how they have to look, how they have to be, um, all of that um, can be really daunting on a young person. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I think for, for me, I didn't have that. I didn't grow up with, I mean, we had three channels, okay? Three channels on the television. Right. It was yeah. black and white. So we didn't <laughs> have all of this. And so now with all this technology, and you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bubby, okay? So I'm a grandmother. And I look at that and I'm like, I, I literally said to my daughter, I said, please don't give it any gadgets. <laughs> Please don't give it, please let it, <laughs> let it grow, let him grow up a little naturally. And, and it's, and I think that has a lot to do with what's happening with depression and everything that's going on. There's such pressure put on our young people by society. And even, you know, I have a son that's in, um, in the, in the financial industry and, I mean, I look at even the pressure on how hard he works, like the hours he puts in, crazy, 
crazy, crazy, crazy. And that could cause somebody depression in its own right. And so I, I have to kind of say this is society and um, I would hope that we have better ways of helping our young people and, and people in general that have it um, mm -hmm. and, and give them the tools so that they can at least reprogram their mind a little bit. I mean, if society is making you depressed, instead of reprogramming us, why don't we just reprogram society so it doesn't make us depressed? Well, that's, you know, that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic, but I do have to say, I think we're starting to end up to evolve more and more towards that. I think you're going to start seeing, um, from, from the other part that I listened to, I think we're going to start seeing how there's going to be a split. I don't know if you listen to, um, somebody like Greg Braden, um, or Bruce Lipton or any of them. And they're talking about that. Greg Braden's pretty well known in this kind of area mm -hmm. and, and um, not in uh, the mental illness, but in how there's a huge shift in society that's going to happen. And it's going to happen before 2030 about how there's going to be some sort of conflict of, of um, how we see the news and all of that. And I think that, um, society's going to shift to not not having so much of that because of the effect that it's had on on individuals at, in a general state. Uh, wow, could you please uh, like expand on that a bit more? So what do you mean about so what other option do we have than the news? Yeah, well, if you think about the news, there's only six companies that own the news uh, channels. Mm -hmm. So that means that whatever's serving them, you're going to hear. Mm -hmm. So I think more and more people are going away from that. And I think there'll be other uh, avenues of news popping up that we'll all have access to. I see. So and, more like decentralization, right? Is a bit yes. of the answer. Like yeah. yeah. People having their own communities, making their own choices on how they want to live their lives. Yeah, I think it's going to become more and more. I mean, there's more and more people that are talking about what we're talking about today. I mean, mm -hmm. this was never talked yeah. about even probably five years ago. It was barely talked about. And yet we're mm -hmm. talking about it now. And so there, we're evolving. We're evolving at a very rapid rate. And so that's a beautiful that thing. I, I, I'm going to say that's a beautiful thing. And, and you're optimistic some, about the future. Absolutely. You're, I think some people mm -hmm. can look at it in a negative viewpoint, but that's only uh, because fear has been put in us. The more that we can all look at this as an opportunity for us to expand as a human consciousness, a human-based uh, concern for one another and see that what I do to someone, I do to myself and really have an understanding. Um, we're going to expand and there's more and more people that are uh, feeling this, thinking this, and there's lesser and lesser people. People are turning off from the news. And I say this because I just went to a workshop with 350 people and all of them were saying the same thing. So, and what's so the this alternative is, choice to using the this news? is like how well, are people getting they, informed? I'll, I'll say this. There's different ways of news. 
So people aren't just buying into this news. They might be reading bits and pieces. Like I read bits and pieces. I also read European news. Mm -hmm. I read Eastern news. I read all different types of news to see where the news is coming mm -hmm. from. But it's also understanding that I think we're going to see new, uh, new different channels pop up. There'll be new, new ways and new forms coming up that people can tap into. That's brilliant. Yeah. The more info that we can have, I feel is, is better for people, for society in general, because it just causes more, like a, a more open culture and a better approach and awareness to each other and to the, to ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and this is one reason why when the pandemic first started, right before it, when there was a little talk, I literally asked my clients, don't listen to the news, read it, but don't listen to it. Because I felt like there was so much anxiety that was mm -hmm. uh, kind of navigated through the channels, as, as I would say, that, um, you know, the frequency, and this is the other thing, we have to remember frequency is everything. And so uh, depending on what the person is that's speaking on on uh, your television, um, that's the frequency you're going to take in. And that can mm -hmm. give you anxiety. And I would say that to people, watch the shows that you're watching and ask yourself how you feel after you watch it. And if it doesn't make you feel good, I would tell you don't watch that anymore. Mm. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I, that was a hard one for me. That was a hard one for me for for a little bit. But then once I got past it, I'm I'm really good. I don't watch anything, especially at night. I don't watch any. I probably only watch maybe one hour of TV a day at the most. But mm -hmm. um, but I I don't uh, I don't watch uh, anything scary. <laughs> I don't watch anything that has something that's not going to sit right with me and make me mm -hmm, fearful yeah. or make me have anxiety. If it makes me tighten up, um, can't watch it. <laughs> Janet, I feel I, sorry I know, for one um, of my daughters. She's a writer. And I told her, if you put something out oh, there, I, see. I can't watch <laughs> it. Well, you got to like um, control the programming, right? That's what it is. It's like yeah. these tools are like, okay, we're being programmed, but you can curate your algorithm. You can curate your feed to make it so that it nurtures you as yes. opposed to uh, blocking you, you know, and making you fearful. You know, I get that aspect too. Um, Janet, I want to ask you a question. I know you're trying to avoid the news, but I wanted to ask you another pop culture That's question. That's okay. Um, Concerning, <laughs> concerning, um, so Jonah Hill's in the news also recently too <laughs> about, I don't know if you know, heard about this site, Jonah no. Hill's this big actor. Yeah, exactly. But it was something about, um, he got in like a um, breakup with his girlfriend and then she leaked some text messages and it was about boundaries and emotional abuse. So I wanted to ask you about like boundaries. So I just want to show you, uh, the, what got leaked. So this is what she spread. Okay. So pretty much this uh, Jonah Hill, famous actor, he's dating a surfer chick. Okay. And this is, this is the, the text that went like super viral. She labeled this as emotional abuse. I want to know what your thoughts on this are. And he I says, plain and simple, 
I get need surfing with Matt. Can I go get my glasses? Because I can't read that. Sounds good. I can also read it. Yeah, it's really short. Plain and simple. If you need surfing with men, bander, realists, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it, and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. All right, and then she reposts this and says, see the misuse of the term boundaries. Okay, so on the topic of what you believe and boundaries and um, what, what are your thoughts on this kind of dynamic between a couple? Um, well, personally, see, this is where I say that Instagram and all of that has taken it to a place that I believe isn't needed. I think this is something that she could say on her own. But then again, the Me Too movement wouldn't have come out. I mean, I think the Me Too movement also ended up being exploited, if you know what I mean, um, through time. But at the same point, I mean, it missed its mark because on the other hand, some, you know, it was blown out. But at the same point, because I'm, I'm all about Me Too, but unfortunately, people then took it a different way. Too. So it mm-hmm. became kind of uh, some people wanted to make it negative. Um, and but my feelings about um, this is that I personally think that if she had a problem with him, she should tell him personally. Um, I've mm-hmm. never been one for airing my my laundry out there unless mm-hmm. unless unless he unless he physically abused her. If he physically abused her, if he mentally abused her, if he abused her in any way, I'm all about it. And that's what I liked about Me Too, because we never could talk about what happened to us, because that happened to me when I was in a workplace and um, and I couldn't talk about it. And so I really liked Me Too for, for that. But if it's just something setting your boundaries, I I wonder if you're better served just doing it privately. I don't know. I don't have the answer for mm-hmm. that. But I do think, mm-hmm. but I do have the answer that if you have boundaries, there's nothing wrong in telling somebody the boundaries. And then if the person mm-hmm. doesn't like your boundaries, that's okay too. And I, to me, that's yeah. what she was saying. To me, what she was saying to him is, this is my boundaries. If you can go with my boundaries, you know, that's okay. But if you can't, that's okay too. And I, 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 I don't see there's anything wrong with telling somebody what your boundaries are. I just wonder if you, you could have done it a different way than putting it on that way. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's 100%. all. But we don't know. Yeah. That's all I'm saying about that. But, but boundaries are good. And like I said, mm-hmm. in the workplace, when I was in the workplace, I worked in a law firm and I, when I was young and a guy did something and uh, two, two times, two different people. And I wish I would have, I wish the, the Me Too movement would have been around then because I would have blown the whistle on those two guys. But I, it was at a time where women never said anything. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is um, during which time period, would you say? It was in the 80s. It was in the late, it was in the 80s. No, it was, yeah, late 80s, maybe early 90s. And uh, I mean, I was even, you know, it's it's a long story. But at the same point, I wish I would have known because I would have probably blown the whistle on both of them. Yeah. Without a doubt. No, 100%. Definitely not. And, not and that's where me too. People would like to have. Yeah. And that's where I think me too was uh, amazing. I just think that some people kind of uh, abused it, giving it a bad name or whatever. I mean, that's my experience just, just from what I know, but, but in the most part, I'm all for me too, but I'm, I'm for it for men too. So I got to have to put that out there. I'm for it for everybody. It's not just Woo. women. It's men too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so I say that because I have, would it be me because I have, a, I have a son, <laughs> me too. Well, mm -hmm. I think me too is, is for, for men too. I think it should be for everyone mm -hmm. who's ever been abused in that way because I have a son too. And so I have two daughters and a son. And so for me, I'm all for it for the women, but I'm all for it for the men too, because there's men who have also been abused out there. Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, that's very nice of you to think that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have to say that because I was, I, I mean, literally if, if something happened to my son in that respect, I would be pretty upset, equally as upset as I would with my daughters. 100%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Janet, as we're wrapping up on time here, um, yeah. do you have any advice for like someone who's in their twenties, but they're not sure about who they want to be? And, um, yeah, they still have so many questions about their life. Um, yeah. Well, the first thing I ask him is what do you like about yourself? I'd ask them the qualities that they like about themselves. I'd start off with the positive and say, what do you like about yourself? And we can build on that. And we can dismantle what's ever keeping you from what you like about yourself to expand to even a greater self of who you are now. Mm -hmm. So that's where, I, that's where I'd start. I'd start with, the great things they love, like about themselves or love about themselves. And then we would then look at what's not working for them and change that. Hmm. Wow. And um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your coaching and more about you? Well, they can go to uh, JanetElaineSchmidt.com. That's my website. It's my name. And um, there is a... If they go on there, there is a um, free consultation, 15-minute consultation that they can grab that's on there. I can, give, I can provide you guys with the URL through um, the email if you want. But, um, but they can go on there and they can, they can see what it's all about. They can sign up for my um, newsletter. I send out usually a little blog. I think this week it's, it's on what we talked about, which is thoughts become emotions become beliefs, become convictions, or get confirmed and then become convictions. And I take them through the process so that they can really understand. So you can start dissecting your thoughts and emotions in that way. So it kind of takes you through a way that you can do it with every thought and emotion and belief that you have.
Perfect. That well, we'll great. see you there. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We got <laughs> reprogrammed. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, you've been here with Janet Elaine Schmidt, reprogramming mental health. She's got it all. All of the info is stored in that library of hers, in her mental library that's just been unlocked and shared with us. So if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please check it out and like, subscribe. This is how we end this. We're out.